Welcome to this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. Houston Grand Opera mounted a production of Benjamin Britten's The Rape of Lucretia in February 2012. American mezzo-soprano Michelle de Young sang the title role, and South African baritone Jacques Imbralo was her seducer Tarquinius. The production was conducted by Scottish maestro Rory MacDonald. Here's an excerpt from the interview I did with them for Houston Public Radio's daily art show, The Front Row. Rory MacDonald, I'll ask you to... Give us a, a quick overview of, of Britain's The Rape of Lucretia. Um, the Rape of Lucretia is really a wonderful piece. It's one of several chamber operas that Britain wrote, along with um, Turn of the Screw and Albert Herring. Um, it's scored for similar forces, so the orchestra is only 13 players. Um, he wrote it in 1946, just after Peter Grimes. So he'd had this huge success with massive opera, massive orchestra and chorus. And I think after that, he sort of wanted to, for various reasons, wanted to go back to basics and really pare things down. Um, so this is very much a chamber opera, um, an ensemble cast. Um, it's really like going to a play, the way the story's told. And it's a very powerful story set in ancient Rome uh, around 500 BC. It tells the story of um, the rape of Lucretia, <laughs> as in the title. Strangely. Uh, strangely enough. Um by Tarquinius, who, who's a prince. He's the, the prince of Rome. He's an Etruscan. This is during the period of Roman history where the, the Etruscans had sort of taken charge. And as legend has it, this event of Lucretia's rape is supposed to have then led to the establishment of the Roman Republic. So the, the people were so angry about this, this event. It was a catalyst for revolution. They were very much under a dictatorship and Tarquinius's father was a real despot. That was Tarquinius Superbus. That's the one. Right. He was a, not a nice man by all accounts and it was a very sort of bloody regime and so I think this was just the last straw for, for many people. It's, it's a fantastic piece. Well singing the role of Lucretia is Michelle de Young. Michelle give us a, a, a sense of who Lucretia is. How do you view her? How do you conceive of her? Oh um she is a a very strong woman, but a lovely woman and loving woman. They she's in a very good marriage that she's loyal in to Colotinus. She's a, a very I think she's very respected by everybody. Jack, who then is Tarquinius? I, th I think he's, he's almost the archetype um, Etruscan in the sense that they, they loved beautiful things, poetry and, and, and art, and they, they brought a lot of that into Rome. But together with that went the whole the bloodthirstiness and the, the crude sexual immorality that went along with, with, with them. Um, he's very much obsessed with the, the, the beauty and the chastity of, um, of Lucretia, but in the same or, or, or the contradiction within him is that he also wants to claim her and wants to, to take that away. Um, and I think right through the piece, he has this battle within himself of obsessing about how chaste, chaste and beautiful she is, um, but he also desperately wants her um, to, to, to claim her um, almost as a, as a right. Rory, the rape of Lucretia comes about almost as a result of a bet. Yes. That the, the soldiers in the Roman army have, have made amongst themselves. Tell us about that. Yes. Um, I mean, it's very interesting. In, in the opening scene, you see 
um, the, the the several male characters, so Tarquinius and also his his sort of um, lieutenants, if you will, uh, Collatinus and Junius. You see them getting drunk and behaving as men will behave. Uh, you know, on a, you can imagine it's a hot, dry night, and there's a wonderful sense also in the music of something terrible, something something in the air. There's an atmosphere like something bad is is going to happen. It's almost that feeling when when you have too much time on your hands and you sort of you sort of you can feel there's a sort of anger within themselves whether they're angry with themselves or what it is you can feel it building up like a like a kettle about to boil so they they make this bet well they've they've already made the bet actually before the opera starts that they will find out they'll sort of do a test to see whether their wives are faithful and um Lucretia who's married to Collatinus, is the only one who, who doesn't. Uh, they go back into succumb. Rome and, and she's the only one that they find at home. Or mm. the, she's she's the only one who, that's right. Uh, the others are all, you know. Gallivanting. Gallivanting, <laughs> you know, with other, with other men. And that's and, what, th- that is what gets Tarquinius, isn't it? You mentioned there, Jacques, that he is attracted to her virtue mm. and, and all that that embodies. Yeah, I think it, I, th- I, I think it's it's partly that that he's, he's obsessed with her, her her virtues, and I think it has to come into play as well the fact that Collatinus has this 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 esteem as well. I mean, that's almost more Junius's take on it. But but Tarquinius was also uh, a very ambitious. He was the youngest of the three brothers, um, and he sort of worked his way up and to become leader of of one one of the armies. He was a very ambitious man and bloodthirsty man as well. And I think certainly the fact that Collatinus has this this um, high esteem because of Lucretia's chastity also plays on his mind, but but probably predominantly it's it's the obsession with with her. I think which goes back further. I don't think it's just as a result from the bet. I mean the nature of his obsession and the 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 the, the volume almost of it has to be more than that. It has to come from from an earlier obsession with her. I think, and obviously Tarquinius, a sort of a. a a figure for the, the Etruscan rape of Rome in many respects, yeah, yes. coming in and seizing, taking what you want. Yeah. What is Lucretia's reaction to Tarquinius shows up and asks for shelter for the night and then forces himself upon you during the night? How does Lucretia respond? Well, I think... I think she's in this marriage with Colotinus, and I think she really loves Colotinus. I think it's a true, true romance between the two of them. I also think that she has made a choice to be true to him, but he's gone. And I think when when Tarquinius comes, she is somewhat... She she feels something. I think there is there is is, an attraction. There there. is an attraction. I think when he first comes into the house, and you know she's thinking this is not appropriate why you know there's no reason for him to be here but on the other hand she's also thinking okay I shouldn't have these feelings I am having feelings he then when he enters the room he he spends the night and he enters the room and starts kissing me and I think it's my husband so I respond and both of us you know it gets somewhat worked up and then when I realize it's him I stop him which is somewhat terrifying because all of a sudden I realize it's not my husband Mm. it's who is this you know at first it's who is this and then I think it at first is it goes back and forth because it's already started there is 
there's some feeling there and then it's no this cannot happen um where then I get strong and say this cannot happen this will not happen and he says it's too late it will happen now, so it it is a struggle to actually between the two of them and in her I think she does have a struggle at first but then she stops it and says no I I cannot do this so when Calatinus comes back because she summons him back after she's been raped by Tarquinius and he understands and he, he he forgives her that he lays no blame upon her why then does she kill herself well this is what makes this such a fantastic role because it's so complex isn't it yeah it is complex and i think when when i first i think i've gone a little crazy i can't quite accept what has happened and i first see him and it's just this this shame comes over me because i did enjoy some of it not the rape but i enjoyed some of what happened so there's shame but then there's also i see him and i feel there's my safety he's going to protect me he's going to that's where i belong um and then he says to me what tarquinius has done can be forgotten and i think how can it be forgotten this is and then he says what Lucretia's done can be forgiven. And I realize he thinks somehow that I've, I'm to blame. That you colluded. And at that moment, I realize we can never be what we were yesterday. It's, it's really strange because Britain writing this in the, the mid-1940s, it's so what we understand of rape today is really encoded here mm-hmm. that... You know, the instinct on the part of the, of the, the raped woman is to blame herself. And no matter what the reaction of, of those around her might be, as Lucretia says, it's never going to be the same again. Life is never going to be the same again. Even though he thinks, Kalatnis thinks what he's saying is the right thing to say. The husbandly thing to the say. The husbandly, I, I'm going to be fine with this. We're going to get over this sort of thing. I realize what he's saying is, you you somehow blame me for this. So, Jack, is Tarquinius then just a an evil person? No, I. Uh, I, mean, is, I it, is it Tarquinius is black to Lucretius white? Is it is it that? Is no, that, I don't. That much of a contrast. N- well, I think for purposes of the of the piece, in a sense, you need to almost have it that way. It needs to, you, to for in order for the contrast between. The, the the chastity and the purity and the evil that corrupted but I mean it's never that simple and I I think as well if you look at his his you know the way his his father came into power and his mother used to be married to somebody else murdered him then married her he comes from a very corrupt upbringing so it was almost only natural that he would respond this way um, and there is uh, the fact that he appreciates beauty and that he sort of respects the chastity to such an obsessive level means that there's definitely a well, a white side of him, which is fighting with the black side in him. And I, I think he has to be more three-dimensional in that sense for him to be believable. And he was a historical character, so they had to be... I mean, nobody's all perfect, all all um, evil or all, all good. There's, we've all got elements within ourselves which are at battle with each other, I think. But I think also there's a, an aria that Jacques sings gorgeously right before the rape to me while I'm sleeping. Mm. And it's it's such a beautiful aria, and it's it has so much emotion in it. There's n- It's not nasty, it's not creepy, it's, it's just lovely. 
Mm. And that's really where the where the, the thorniness is, because in this act of defilement, there is such beauty as well. Right. As and as you talk about, it's Lucretia enjoys some of the seduction. And she, she recognizes that she has an attraction to him. Right. Mm. He doesn't I don't think he comes into the room to rape. No, he he says specifically he says to wake Lucretia with a kiss would put me to sleep, so would put me to, at ease. And I I think the situation sort of escalates to a point where he then loses control over himself. I don't think he comes, yeah, as you say, with the with the intent necessarily to to rape. Rory, talk about the music. The music has some of the most beautiful and also some of the ugliest music that Britain ever composed. I mean, there are sections, as as Michelle mentions, Jacques Aria is, is one of the highlights. It's a beautiful sort of expansive, lyrical piece of music, almost like some of the music in Billy Budd, some mm. similar sort of... Uh, there's also one thing to say about this piece is that there are two narrators. They're called the male and female chorus, sort of bringing to mind the idea of a Greek chorus. And they they comment on the action and and explain a lot of the history for the audience, a lot of the sort of context of the story. But the female chorus um, has this sort of lullaby music describing Lucretia asleep just before Tarquinius enters the room. It's it's beautiful, simple music just composed for really interesting combinations, bass clarinet and alto flute hmm. and muted horn. And the sound is, is three instruments um, in a very low register very simple but beautiful harmonies, and it's really one of the best things I think he ever wrote. But then you also get the, the, the music, for example, which is really describing the rape itself. We, we don't see the rape on stage, and in our production we don't see, see any of that. But you certainly hear it in the music. It's wild, ugly, violent music, very difficult to play. And I think probably one of the most atonal things he ever wrote. I can't think of anything that's crazier <laughs> in his whole output. So it's really, you've got those two extremes, of the beautiful, calm, lyrical music and real kind of nastiness. I think that's one of the things that's, for me, really exciting. And the sounds he gets from such a small orchestra, it's only 13 players, parts of it sound bigger than that. And the way he uses the harp, you know, which he, he does so often in his operas, um, the colours are just wonderful. I mean, I, I think it's terrific, terrific score. Mezzo-soprano Michelle de Young sang the role of Lucretia and baritone Jacques Imbralo sang Tarquinius in Houston Grand Opera's 2012 production of Benjamin Britten's The Rape of Lucretia, conducted by Rory MacDonald. Well, that's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. Thank you for listening.